You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, I just want to thank everybody who has supported us and listened to us uh, for all of our content throughout another NBA season. This is our third season now in the books. Uh, we keep having more and more fun. I feel like the content keeps getting better. I feel like the We've enjoyed ourselves. I feel like we've we've supplied good content, but it only happens and it only works if you guys support us and listen and you have done. So thank you so much to everybody that's interacted, that's subscribed, that's listened, that's watched, that's retweeted, shared, anything. It means a lot. We, we don't do this really solely for views and subscriber counts. We do it because we love this team and we enjoy what we do. Um, but it does help. It does help to see that there's interaction and, uh, and people like what we do. So again, thank you so much. And we will go again next year. Of course we will. On to today's episode. And I've got my UK guys. We will most of them anyway. We record on a Sunday. Always a little bit tricky. We've got no John Jablonka tonight. No Glenn Smith. He looks like he's uh, not managed to get out of working time. But I do have Mr. Oli Rahimi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. Pensive after the season's ended, but looking forward already to next year. Absolutely, yes. Sam Aquara, the OG. How are you, my man? I'm doing good, well rested after catching up on loads of sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is it. We was just saying, just starting, just starting to get into a normal sleep pattern again. It's going to take a bit of time yet, though. Uh, Bilal Monar, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Great stuff. Great to have you all on. Um, guys, the season has ended. Game seven didn't go down the way we wanted it to against the Boston Celtics, but boy, did we push them all the way. Um, an incredible series, a strange series. Um, Ollie, I'll start with you. This was a series where we said protect home court, protect home court. Only f- only two of the seven games were protected by home court. Five of the seven wins came from the road team. A really strange season. But when we went out to Boston and we got that game six back, man, I didn't see a loss coming. I thought that... I thought it was going to get wrapped up there. In the FTX Arena, Game 7, I thought that would be job done. Fair play to Boston. Um, they got it over the line. It did go to the line. We'll come on to the shot in a minute. But first of all, your immediate reflections on that. Is that I mean, a loss is a loss to, to Boston. There's no disgrace in that. But is it ultimately, is it really disappointing? I'm still not really shaking it off yet. The fact that we, we, did, we got them back to home court and we didn't take advantage. Is that disappointing? I think so, yeah, because um, obviously in the position that we were in, being 3-2 down, uh, and then, like you said, going into Boston, winning, coming back home, um, effectively a clean slate, one-game shootout, yeah, is a bit disappointing. Um, but I think, as you mentioned just now, like the, the home court advantage throughout the whole of the series not existing, pretty much. It, it was a series that kind of favoured the underdog, because if you think, apart from the first game where we won, every game after that was won by the team that was on the back foot almost and the underdog, yeah. if you want to look at it that way. Um, so yeah, it was just a weird series. Like it was really disappointing seeing as how close we were and then to be one three pointer away, uh, to be an NBA ruling on a Max Juice three away effectively from the finals. It is really frustrating, but 
haven't had time to reflect on it. Like, I think it was a really, really good season. Um, probably not as good as what we maybe thought we were going to get. Um, and to be disappointed at losing a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals kind of shows how well that we did compared to our expectations. So, yeah, after a bit of reflection, obviously it hurts, it's sad. But on the whole, I think it was a really good season and we've got uh, a lot to look forward to, I think, and probably a busy summer ahead, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. I think that that's um, same thing that was sort of said to me when I was down over the last couple of uh, the, the the couple of days after that game, and I had like uh, my family, like my brother and my cousin who were both massively into the NBA, and they said, "Look, there's no disgrace. Whoever you play, losing in Game Seven of an Eastern Conference Final, that's a good team. You're a good team. Doesn't matter which way it falls down." And as we say, we were one shot away from perhaps getting into the finals. Uh, let's talk about that then, Sam, um, at the Jimmy Butler shop. Now, it's split the fan base a little bit, but I think that what a lot of people are come to agree with uh, in is the fact that Jimmy Butler earned that shot. He had the right to take that shot and you ride and die with that shot, with your star player taking that. And I'm fully on board with that. But that aside, was it the right decision? He had the lane sort of open there. I think that he could have maybe have breezed past Holford. To, he had the... Uh, the um, uh, tempo with him. He had Hawthorne on his back foot. I think the layup or the drive into the basket would have been on. I totally get why he went for the shot. But to tie it up, was it a bad decision? I personally don't think it was a bad decision. Um, you mentioned that he got a bit of an edge on Horford on that. But you could see Jalen Brown, I believe, with the help. And you don't really want to leave that to the whistle. Because we know the whistle has been a bit shaky in this series. And there's no way a call to decide the game will be made if because Dylan Brown was obviously going to contest that and there was no way he'd get fouled and the rest would call it. So in my opinion, he stuck with his guts. He did what he thought was right. And let's not forget, he's been shooting well this playoffs, not to think of the finals as well. So um, in his mind, he thought he had that and I went with him. We live or die with that shot. Yeah, I, I absolutely live or die with it. I'm totally in agreement with you a lot. I think that you know, when you look at it and analyse it, I think that if this was in the middle of a game, um, he would have he would have made the drive to the basket. But the Heat came real back, like back on a real good run. I think he was on about an eight or nine o run. Uh, the game was done. It was, there was like a, you know ninety seconds, two minutes to go. I, I thought that I was tweeting really that this game it was a wrap. The season was finished, and then so to come down to it and you, you're in the balls in your star player's hands. Uh, yeah, I I I've got no real problem with it. Plus the fact if that was to win it um, or to drive to go into overtime, would we have had enough in overtime because we looked shot as well? So, uh, yeah, okay, as you say, we ride with it. I've got no problem with it. Um, I think the team are fine with it as well. And it didn't go down. That's basketball. Um, Bilal, um, would this series, I want to come on to the Max Struess uh, incident in a minute, but before we come on to that, would this series have been any different if we had a fully firing? Kyle Lowry and Tyler Harrow. Now, Tyler Harrow has had his criticisms of whether he's been full health or not, that he hasn't really produced or or shown what he can do in the regular season in the postseason. And that's a different conversation. But to go into this with two, you know, they're, they're key players for us. And, you know, we're Kyle Lowry at no, not even 50% fit. Let's have it right. And uh, and obviously Tyler Harrow, who, done, who would have been out for two or three weeks, that yet tried to come and show something in Game 7. And I think he played a handful of minutes before realising that, you know, he just couldn't produce. Um, if they're in full fitness and this team's in full fitness, 
Is it a different story? Did the Heat get through this game? Um, I think it's a flip of a coin, to be honest. I don't necessarily see it as a foregone conclusion that if Kyle, Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero played to their or well, they were fit, we would necessarily just go through just like that. Because we need to think about as well, Mark Smart wasn't was banged up. He had a bad ankle injury. Robert Williams has been banged up the whole playoffs and he's a big part of their defence. So it's not really just if Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero were fit, they would make a big difference. Especially Tyler Hero has been struggling the whole playoffs and especially with that switchy defence that Boston plays and that kind of stingy defence that they play. I don't see it as just him going off would make us go to the finals and there'll be a different outcome. Kyle Lowry maybe it might be a bit different because towards the end of the regular season, we really saw him hitting good form. We saw him knocking down shots. We saw him getting points that we didn't see him score the whole season. So I think maybe Kyle Lowry might have made a, a difference because he was getting a lot of open looks, especially off the drop coverage that Boston were playing. So I do think maybe Kyle Lowry would have helped, but Tyler Hero... I think they still would have picked on him on defence, so I don't think he would be playable in good situations. Yeah, I think that's well summarised. And um, look, I mean, no one here is going to make it an excuse. You know, everybody has injuries. Uh, Boston had their injuries as well. Um, it is interesting, though, because he just doesn't seem to have much luck when it comes to crunch time. We saw it again in the bubble. Um you know, I mean, I think five reasons put out that their reporting was that uh, coming into game six, Jimmy Butler, PJ, uh, Tyler and Cole Lowry all would have been out for two to three weeks, but they're trying to play like every other day uh, if this was normal circumstances. So, uh, yeah, difficult, but, you know, this is basketball. You know, it, it is what it is and we're not going to use it as an excuse. Before we move away from the game, um, Ollie. Have you ever seen what happened with this Max Struess incident ever? Because I haven't. The fact that they went back to check whether this was a free, this was apparently what this was. They went back to check whether this was a two or a three. Well, even that to me is wild. He was nowhere near the three-point line. And then to have a look at all those angles and decide that they was ruling it out, what, four or five minutes after that basket went down? And then it's totally inconclusive anyway. I mean, there, there may be... There may be an argument to say that there was something on the line. It didn't look it. It didn't look it for me. From my point of view, it looked like it, the hill wasn't down. But whatever happens, surely if that's going to be overturned, it needs to be black and white. It needs to be certain. Not only wasn't it certain, it was taken away five minutes later. When you're To try and get that out of your head when you're an NBA player, that you're now three points down on the back of them scoring from the line twice as well. That was effectively a five-point swing, just like that. That, I've never seen that happen before. It was a bizarre instant. What do you think of it, Ollie? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we see this in the UK all too often with football and VAR in uh, clear and obvious seems to be the, the topic words. But that was, like you said, just an odd decision. Um, you know, if you were going to get your VAR lines out and draw a line down the baseline um, or the out-of-bounds line to see where Max Drews was, yeah, okay, his heel probably was out-of-bounds. But that's not the rule of basketball. His heel wasn't yeah. down on the floor. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I'm, I was amazed that, like you said, that they went back to even look at it and, and decide whether that was a three because he was well behind the line. Um, so, unless there was like an, an ulterior motive and they kind of, they wanted to see if he was out of bounds, but they wanted to mask that in looking at it, if it was a three first. I don't know. Um, 
the whole series was was officiated strangely. Terrible. Um, Terrible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Boston got so many calls. The the disparity in the number of free throw attempts was unbelievable. Um, they probably could have had like a hundred point game, a game eight just on free throws. I think. Um, so yeah, like it was. It was like I said. It was just weird. Like officiating seemed like they wanted Boston to get there and again it's not an excuse um I know it's been said a lot but ultimately you kind of make you make your own luck but yeah that Max Struess three was just a weird decision for it to happen so late so far after the actual possession the incident and then as you said it's effectively a five-point swing when it is announced um and yeah I just I've never seen it either um completely new to me just an odd decision an odd time to do it in such a high pressure environment in a game seven Eastern Conference Finals, to make a call like that, it's not clear and obvious. And I know that, see, with the officiating rules in basketball, it's a little bit different. But if we're using what is a sensible, logical explanation of making decisions that they use with VAR, that unless it is clear and obvious, don't change it. And I think that that resonates with that decision. Um, and to me, it was definitely not clear and obvious. I think most people would probably agree with that. So yeah, just a yep. weird, one, and I can't get mad around it. No, exactly that. I think that look, the fact that it's, they've come back four or five minutes later to rule it out is one thing. But at least if they're going to do that, you think, well, OK, it, it must be obvious. His foot must have been down. It must have been so conclusive that they had to take it away. Oh, they have no problems with that. But they, they've got all these camera angles. They've looked at it and they've decided that they're going to change the course of the game at that point. And that's what it was. It wasn't, you know, we're talking about a game seven in an Eastern Conference final. You know, that, that's just such a bizarre decision. And, um, yeah, it's it's really, you know, really leaves a salty taste in the mouth. But it is done. It is done. It's, um, you know, overall, as Spo said, I liked his response, said, look, you know, we don't like it, but we got beat. Let's just make, let's, let's put that out there. We got beat. And I think that is the right way to go. It may, it may not have made a difference, but, man, it hurts. It stings. It's not, it's not a nice way to go out. But um, there we go. Uh, as you say, though, completely echo the officiating across the series dreadful dreadful and I'll never one to moan about officiating never have done even though I've got my own thoughts on it I never like to put that across I hate accounts that show it all the time um but it was appalling officiating I thought all the way through that series let's leave it there guys on to let's move forward with uh how we think this roster is going to go down now um you know Carl Cole Lowry came out straight after the game and said this was a wasted year um, I don't think he meant it like that. You know, if Eastern Conference Finals is still an achievement, but these guys are here to win. We didn't win. So a wasted year, they're calling it. An aging squad, 36 years old, Cole Lowry, 37 years old, PJ Tucker, 33 years old, I believe, Jimmy Butler, and so on. Um, what do we think is going to happen here, Sam? Uh, do we think we're going to get I don't think it's going to be blown up. I don't think there's going to be, you know, a complete roster shake up. And I think we're going to still continue to ride with the Jimmy Butler timeline, which I assume will include Cole Lowry, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, etc. But we expect tweaks. Now, what do you think? Before we get onto some player personnel, do you think that we need a true scoring punch, a, a, a free level scorer as a priority? Or do you think that the other sort of addressed issue seems to be some more size maybe sizing up at the four for example um where do you think this goes down i mean it could well get both but um what do you mm. think is going to be the priority here i'll tell you what i think we need which in my opinion is what Cal Lowry was supposed to be 
we need someone who will consistently give us 12 to 15 points every game. We saw how useful our Horford was for the Celtics. Even down to the 76ers series, we saw how useful Tobias Harris was for them. And those are the sort of players that you don't get loads of like superstar games in a season, but you do get those consistent games. And you know when you they're on the court, they're just going to give you production. And in my opinion, that's what Kalari was supposed to be for this team. Um, we saw some very good elements of that this season. And based off that, I want to say that there will be a lot of running back in terms of the lineup and the roster. Because other than the fact that we're competing on Jimmy Butler's timeline, so he's getting old and we want to win as soon as possible, uh, I have to consider a couple other things. So when you think about it, in recent Heat history, I can't think of a specific player that the Heat gave up on after one or two seasons. So all the talks of Duncan Robinson's not going to make it out, blah, blah, blah. I still don't see him being traded this season. In addition to the fact that we still got um, Max Truce on an acceptable contract for another year. So I feel there's a bit of space to run it back. And we've got to take a feel for the market. What's the trade market looking like? As far as I'm aware, there's not much in there. So... I have a feeling we're going to be running things back. Okay. Um, well, I'll come on to running things back in a minute because it is an option. It isn't the worst option. I did tweet this out yesterday and said, look, there is a lot worse things you can do um, than run this team's back. And I will come on to that sort of once we've gone round to this. Um, Ollie, sorry, did you want to jump in and say something there? I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to mention a couple of names, but I'm going to wait until, until we're ready. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Okay. Um, Interesting that you say about Duncan Robinson. Um, and we, we are sort of maybe taking it for granted that he's probably played his last game for the team. Um, I think that when you look at this team going forward, obviously Jimmy's not going anywhere. I would be very surprised if Carl Lowry's going anywhere. I think we've already said, Spose saying that he's going to come back in great shape next year. Um, obviously, I don't think that we've, we see the last of him. I think he'll be back. Um, the two most tradable assets as we probably are all in agreement with, is Duncan Robinson on that contract um, being one of the best shooters in the league still. That's an asset. And Tyler Harrow obviously being still on uh, a rookie contract at the moment, waiting to be paid, is another one. That being said then, Bilal, um, people are putting two and two together, seeing the Dwayne Wade connection in uh, Utah. And they're talking about Donovan Mitchell. Now, Donovan Mitchell's got three years left on his contract after this year. Um, there's no, no, nothing to suggest that he's going to call, um, he's going to request a trade or anything. But people are sort of putting two and two together. And I then obviously, it is, it is a sort of hand in hand sort of thing that the Heat need. I think he'd love it here. I think that he's, um, it, it would fulfill exactly what this team requires. But, I just want to run some stats by Bilal. Um, this is um, Tyler Harrow, who we would assume would be going, would be the centerpiece to go the other way in that trade. 2019, this is his stats. This is his rookie year. 27.4 minutes, 13 and a half points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 3.2 assists. 2020, 30 minutes a game, 15.1 points a game, 5 rebounds, 3.4 assists. 2021, the season just gone, 32 minutes a game, 20. 0.7 points a game, again, five rebounds, four assists. 
This is Donovan Mitchell going in, in, in his fourth year. I know that he's now in his sixth year, I believe. But this is Donovan Mitchell on his fourth year, which is what Tyler Hero is about to go into. Mitchell, 33 minutes per game, 26.4 points per game, 4.4 boards, 5.2 assists. So about a six-point swing in terms of points per game. But Hero, 13.5, 15.1, 20.7 coming off the bench. That's can is it unrealistic to say that he can get within a couple of points of that? Can he get to within the sort of 23, 24 points per game scenario going forward into year four? And therefore, if that's the case, why are we trading for Donovan Mitchell? Um I appreciate the stats, Dan, but um I there's a lot of factors why we should be trading for someone like Donovan Mitchell when it is centered around Tyler Hero. So, yeah, the, the stats could be good, but you need to understand as well the 20.7 points per game are against are against a lot of bench unit guys. Um, we saw in the playoffs his production dropped massively. Um, I was looking up some stats as well. He shot 40% in the regular season and 23% from three um, in the postseason this season, which is a massive drop-off. We need players to elevate their game in the playoffs when we need it the most, and um, Tyler didn't do it this season so it really affected his future here at Miami as obviously we're trying to win a ring in Jimmy's window and Tyler's so much younger than him so I think Donovan Mitchell provides extra scoring punch he provides athleticism which Tyler doesn't have and he provides better defence than Tyler Hero much better defence even though Ty- Donovan might not be the best defender Tyler Hero's defense is a problem, especially in the playoffs. As you see now, Golden State and Boston, if you look at the 10 people that are on the court or the 10 people that close the games, you don't really see a bad defender there. So if Tyler Hero continues to play for us and continues to play down the stretch in long playoff runs, he's going to get picked on. And we don't know what we've seen so far in his heat careers if he can handle this load offensively to actually cut out their defensive. Um, factors in this game, so yeah, that, that I'm I'm sorry about the stats, Dan, but that doesn't do it for me because I need to see in the playoffs, man. Bilal said, "Fuck them stats." Uh, yeah, no, I totally no. Listen, um, when I put this tweet out there with all those stats, um, the first thing that I then said is, well, when I was getting into debate to debate with a couple of the replies, I said the difference will be. If next year Tyler Hero projects as a starter, which is what we hear is possible, um, he's not going to get that sort of production, in my opinion. He may well do, you know. He may. We, we saw a leap from him this year. We may see another leap. He may. He may prove us wrong. I don't see that. When you're playing against the bench unit, his points went up by five points a game by playing against the bench units. That's not going to happen again, in my opinion. If he comes up against the starters, Ollie, do you do you agree with that? Do you, do you sort of? Look at it as though we we love the potential, but Donovan Mitchell, if he's available and it means get rid of, of Tyler Hero and whatever then makes it work to make it an attractive po- uh, package for Utah, you always take the all-star caliber player who is ready right now. Um yeah, I wanna I wanna preface anything by saying that I've been a massive Tyler Hero fan ever since he was drafted, and I think his ceiling is obviously very high. Um but yeah, what Bilal said those stats are completely meaningless if you can't play him in the playoffs because yep. if he's not contributing effective minutes in the playoffs, then there's no point in having him on your roster. You're, see, you're seeing exactly the same with Duncan Robinson at the moment. Yeah, okay, he had a 
He had a decent season. It wasn't as good as last season, but he's almost unplayable in the playoffs. So you've got $50 million a year sat on the bench doing nothing for you. Um, I also think that if you, as long as Eric Spolstra is the coach and as long as you don't have a player that is called LeBron James or Dwayne Wade, you are not going to get a player that's on maybe over 23 or 24 points a game because that's just not the way that the Heat's offense is run. Yeah. Um, even though Tyler is more than capable, I think, of getting 25, 26 a game and somewhere like Utah, he probably would get 24 or 25 a game. In a coach Spolstra system, I don't think that that's going to be his game at all. And I don't think that's, even as a starter, it, which is what I think he would be next year if he's still here, I don't think he'd be on 24, 25 a game. He might hover around that 20 point mark. But as you said, playing against starters is different. A lot of his minutes have come against starters, but predominantly he comes in as a spark the first man off the bench late in the first quarter he he gets sort of seven eight nine ten points in the end of the first quarter when you are playing against the the tired starters or the or the reserves coming off the bench so um for donovan mitchell it's obviously no secret that he likes miami miami like him as well and then obviously there's the Dwayne wade connection um the only thing that concerns me with him with him is his size um i think he's only six foot one so if you're starting backcourt, it's Kyle Lowry and, and Donovan Mitchell. It is very small. But as you mentioned about Tobias Harris, we don't have anybody other than Jimmy that is going to put up 17 points a game consistently. Bam can do it, but doesn't always. Kyle Lowry has shown in and out, yes and no. And obviously Tyler has done it against the bench. Um, one name that I really like is Harrison Barnes, but that's a different conversation. It's a different position. Um, but yeah, Donovan Mitchell, I think, his 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 profile fits Miami, um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him moved on. I think Utah want to kind of blow it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would take him. If it's centred around Tyler, I'd be very sad to see him go because I think his ceiling is high. But if you're thinking about the Jimmy timeline and the Kyle Lowry timeline, but also matching Donovan Mitchell with Bam's timeline, I think it's a deal that you should do. Yep. Okay. Nicely summarised. Sam, you're the one that said you don't hate the idea of running this back. And I'm going to uh, come on to that in a second. But let's say Donovan asks out, says he wants Miami, do the best deal you can with Miami. And the deal ends up being Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, say, and maybe a couple of late picks. Did you do that deal? Um... I'm going to have to say yes. I'm going to have to say yes. I mean, it does leave the roster with a couple spots to be filled, and we do know this Heat team can find those gems. So, yeah. Um, and it just goes down to the playoffs as well. We've, we had a really deep team, but of what use was our depth in the playoffs? So, yeah. if we can sort of secure that top unit, make it productive, make it productive enough to produce in the playoffs, then I'm all for it. Yeah. I think that it, it is as simple as that. I think that. I think that it's almost a perfect player for us at the moment. I'll take him over any of the other names that we've been linked with. Um, Zach Levine, I, I would like, but I think that he would be a better defensive uh, equity than that. Um, uh, we've heard uh, Bradley Bill, but people just need to understand that he's, de- he's determined to be miserable forever in Washington, so stop saying his name. Um, I think that there's a possibility that we might see something go down with Donovan, and you never put it past Pat. But let's say, Bilal, it is run back. I did put out a tweet yesterday to say, I don't expect this to happen. I think there will be tweaks. We don't move forward where everyone else does. We start moving backwards. I get that. 
But with a team that has Jimmy, Kyle, Bam, Tyler, Duncan Robinson, um, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, and so on, we could go and Victor Oladipo. You could be in a lot worse situations than running this team back. Um, yes, they are a lot. They are a year older. Yes, every every game that goes by, it's another chance where the window's closing. And maybe this team isn't a championship caliber team. But man, this has been one of the funniest seasons we've had as a fan base. And if it means that we've got to go again, is that the same thing? As I said, I don't expect it to happen, but I wouldn't be moaning. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, it has definitely, I think, regular season-wise, I think this was one of the funnest, definitely. Um, we had a, a lot of fun here with the streams as well. Um, another point, just, just going back for the Tyler Hero thing. He doesn't tend to stay healthy. He's never completed the whole 82 games. So that's another factor. He's quite injury-prone just going forward. Um, but in regards to um, what you were, your point with all the players like Gabe Vincent, Max Drew. So I expect their production to go up next season. It's another season under their belt. And also they are both in contract here. So they're going to be playing for a contract. Yeah. Um, but the, but the, obviously the disadvantages are every team in the NBA now has had an opportunity to scout Miami Heat until game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. So they know our schemes. They know our coverages. So with aging players on our team, I think it could take a toll. So I I am for um, shuffling the roster a bit, getting some fresh legs, getting in that you know can produce. We, we've seen from other teams, but just going forward, I think we've seen it when we went to the finals in the bubble. The next season, we were Duncan Robinson was was caught. He every coverage that he went off. They they knew what was happening because they had every team had the whole season to scout Miami and obviously now with the advanced metrics and all of that stuff, um, NBA uses their their teams use their their people so I think we could be in trouble if we try to run it back. That's fair. Just a bit right. to add to that actually, um, which sort of ties into what Bilal mentioned about Tyler Hero. Right? When we say run this team back, I don't think we'll necessarily get this same team because we've got to understand that although we've got guys who are aging, who we might not get that same level of production, the likes of PJ Tucker, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler perhaps, we still have a young set of players who have got the off-season to sort of develop. Telehero has come out saying that um, the one thing he wants to do is get a bit more strength. And if he does do that, that could sort of reduce his injury proneness. Um, I want to believe Duncan Robinson is going into the offseason to work on his defense. And I truly believe defense is a skill you can learn. Take the defensive physical um, features aside. I believe defense is something you can learn. So um, even though we run it back, this team could be very different next season because we had a lot of untapped potential. That's a good point, Sam. That is a really good point because, yeah, running it back doesn't mean you play the same schemes, the same, you know, team every time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, as Bilal said, I don't expect it to 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 be done. I don't think any of us, I think there will be tweaks. I think that's part of this team's DNA, especially Pat Riley's, that, that he will always look to make improvements. Um, but, yeah, as you said, Sam, if, if it is run back, I think that we may see, you know, more development from 
all the way down the roster. I think that there's quite sort of high hopes for people like uh, um, Hayward. Hi, hi, is it hi, Highway? Sorry, is it? I kind of forgot his name. Highsmith. <laughs> Who? Highsmith. High Smith. Sorry, I keep doing that. Hayward Highsmith. I think they've got high hopes for him. Yurtsevan, you know, if he can he can maybe look at adding something to his game, you might see him starting games quite regularly next year. Um, so, I yeah. We might do more from Max Struess. I feel like and he we hasn't some, peaked yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. We'll see what happens. As you said, this isn't the worst situation to be in. This really isn't. Um, before we come on to just a quick round robin on um, one or two player grades, I just want to get your thoughts on Vitzel Oladipo, um, Oli. Personally, I keep going backwards and forwards on this, whether I think he'll be back or not. There's the element to say that he might take um, another discount to be on another championship caliber team. We know how much he likes it in Miami. We saw that he did end up being a productive part of our postseason um, when it looked like going completely the other way. But the other hand is, I think someone will offer him some money um, and then it'll be up to us to match it because we've got his bird rights. Um, two year, maybe, might get maybe the offer of around sort of eight to 10 million. What do you think? Will we see Vic back? Do you, would you pay him that? Would you match that sort of money or is there a max you'd go to? Um, yeah, so with Vic, it's a bit, it's a bit of a... It's a questionable subject, really, because obviously he has only been fit for the best part of two months, maybe three. Um, so the sample size for his return is still quite small. But I think having a full off season under his belt and working, I think will do him the world of good. And I don't think we're that far removed from seeing the all star level of, of Victor Oladipo that we did see in in um, in parts in the in the playoffs. Um just one other person I wanted to touch on um, in regards to sort of the rest of the roster and stuff and development from last year is Gabe Vincent. And I know that we've obviously spoken really highly of him over the course of the year. Uh, but if we go back to this point last year and we were looking at Carl Lowry and probably Duncan being our starting backcourt and then not really knowing who's going to be next to Tyler Hero while Victor Oladipo was out, that we can go into next season, whether it be Carl Lowry and Donovan Mitchell, Carl Lowry and Max Struess or Carl Lowry and Tyler Hero in the starting lineup. That I think me, I mean, I will anyway, and I'm sure a lot of Heat fans will also feel safe in the notion of having Gabe Vincent and someone like Victor Oladipo, if we can retain him to come off the bench as the sort of backup um, backcourt. That that's a really well developed team now, and we saw Gabe Vincent's development in the playoffs, um, and his career is picking up, and he's doing so much better now. Um, so to couple that with Victor Oladipo again. For a deal under 10 million, I think I would do it um, because I think there will be times where he will perform well above that pay grade um, because he still has that ability and his defence is elite. Like, there's no question about that. He hasn't lost that, obviously. He's obviously lost a bit of his, his athleticism, which with work over the summer, I'm sure he'll get back. So I would like to see him back, especially if we're going to move Tyler um, and assuming that probably Duncan's contract is going to be moved. I would really like to see him back in the sixth man role probably, um, because I think he can have that sort of impact that Tyler had this year. And in moving Tyler Hero, maybe for Donovan Mitchell or somebody else, that shift is maybe offset by introducing Victor Oladipo into that role, giving him a full off-season and giving him a full regular season of getting back to his strengths and his full ability. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I don't really need to add much to that. I think I agree completely with what you just said there. And I'm glad you um, sort of mentioned there about Gabe, because it alludes to Sam's point. You know, we 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 didn't have this last year. Gabe Vincent wasn't this player. 
he was he was just a, he was a useful back end player to get you through a couple of minutes. Now he's a is a fundamental part of our rotation. So, like Sam says, the running it back doesn't necessarily mean the same players. We can get production from players with with more development. So, uh, yeah, it's a good good point to touch on, guys. We'll finish up with I'm going to give you one player each, which I want you to sort of summarise and grade for me um, through this season. Um, I'll start with you, Sam. Um, grade me. Cole Lowry's season with the Miami Heat. Mm. B minus. B minus. Okay. It wasn't a bad season. It was slightly underwhelming, but we saw elements of what we needed him for. We had that stretch in like December where a lot of players was down, and he led he led the second stringers to a very productive stretch of games. We saw moments in the playoffs where he sort of came out and did what we needed him to do. It wasn't a perfect season. It wasn't a fantastic season by any stretch, but it wasn't bad. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that we've touched on on Kyle. Obviously, he had his injury problems. He had his personal problems as well. Um, fundamentally, yeah, I think maybe as a, as a scoring option, we might have wanted a bit more, but we've summarised this up quite well, I believe, during the end of the regular season to say that we were the one seed fundamentally because of Cole Lowry's impact. And I think that's the best thing to say. We, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero all had their stages throughout the season where we was able to miss them and not really be too impacted. But it was different with, with Cole. I think that we without him marshalling this team, without them on court several times in long stints for the season, um, I don't think we would have done as well as we did. So um, I think B- minus is probably, I think that's relatively fair. Um, Bilal, Bam Adebayo. That's a tough one, but um, I was really happy with Bam, so I'm gonna go A minus. A minus, okay. Yeah, so Bam, um, he missed a lot of time during the regular season. He managed to bounce back. He averaged what 19 and 10 in the regular season, which is really good. And then in the playoffs, he played exceptional defense. Even though obviously there were some moments where Heat fans were frustrated with his lack of aggression on offense. We can't undermine his defensive impact on this team. He, he's he's a gem. He's generational on the defensive end, can guard all the positions. And he had big games when we needed it. Game seven, game three on the road when Jimmy got hurt. So I can't I can't fault him much, but so I'll say Amen. Okay. Yeah, I think that it makes it laughable when you looked at his defensive performances, the fact that he wasn't in that top three defensive player of the year. It's scandalous. I mean, I know we're, we may get accused of being, you know, homers and all the rest of it. No NBA fanatic or no one that's got a clue about the game that watches the game regularly, including all these so-called pundits, can look at those performances and see that that's replicated three times better throughout the league. Um, it's just it, you can see why he was pissed off um, by not getting that and he was pissed off just very quickly Bilal just a quick follow up question to it he will always it seems maybe throughout his entire career be criticised for not showing enough aggression and being giving us more on the offensive end do you think that will ever be addressed do you think that he's got that in him and he needs to show it or do you just think that it's not down to his role it's not what he's coached to do fundamentally Um, I think Always he's going to get that because we've seen it. We've seen him do it. Um, it's not like we, we have, we've never seen him do it and he can't do it. We've seen he can do it. We've seen him do it against the best defence in the league. 
we've seen that he is capable of putting up 30 and 15 or 30 and 14 or whatever. So I feel like it can be addressed maybe when Jimmy moves on, I would imagine, because I don't feel like we've, I think only one time in the playoffs, and that was game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals, that both of them had an actual breakout game together. So I feel like maybe when Jimmy moves on and hands the baton over to Bam, maybe we'll start seeing more aggression and more of a polished offensive game as the as probably Spur will focus the offense around him. Yep, fair enough. That's a good response. Good stuff, mate. Right. Uh Ollie, you're gonna wrap us up. I'm not gonna give you Jimmy Butler because I think we will all agree that Jimmy has been our best player. He's an A to A star again. Uh, every year he, he just continues to get better. I've done Bam and I've done Kyle because they're our two most impactful players next. And then I'm going to give you Tyler Harrow. Ah, I was really hoping you were going to be PJ Tucker. Um, <laughs> you so, can give a quick PJ, right? You know that one. All right, cool. Um, a, the only thing, he, for me, he's been my favourite player of the season. Not our best, but he has been my favourite player of the season. Um, it would be an A plus or an A star. If he, you know, he had that slight drop off in three point percentage and we didn't make it to the finals, but he has given everything to us this season and he has taken us to the next level. Um, I said halfway through the season, he raised the floor of everyone around him. So did Kyle. And for me, he's been unbelievable. So quick shout out to PJ Tucker. A- very, very, I, I, enjoy, I, I like the fact that you've, you've said that. And very quickly, do you think he'll be back next year on that player option? Seven and a half million? I really hope so. I think he deserves more. Um, but I think he will want to. I, I hope he wants to, because I would love to have him back. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, Tyler, um, I think I'm hovering between a B plus and an A minus. Um, if you're going on regular season alone, then it's higher than that. If you're going on playoffs alone, it's lower than that. Yeah. Um, sixth man of the year, 20 points off the bench. I think only the fourth player in NBA history to do that. He had an unbelievable regular season. But his shortfalls and shortcomings really showed themselves in the playoffs. Whether he'll be back next year is obviously a, a topic of great <laughs> question um, that I'm sure will be debated long into the summer. So, yeah, I think a B plus bordering on an A minus for Tyler. Uh, if we'd have got to the finals, it might have been higher. But, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. Good stuff. Sam, you're shaking your head. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um... When Ollie started grading Tyler Hero, I sort of took it from a different approach. I thought to look at his regular season separately, look at his postseason separately, and sort of give an average. If we're looking at a re- regular season, I'm giving him an A because six man of the year improved yeah. his production. I think it was like what, 20 points per game scorer. But on a postseason, there's honestly nothing to talk about. No, so this is looking at an A and a D. So it's looking like C plus. <laughs> I love it. Well, to be fair, it's an interesting way of putting it because you're right. I don't need to add much more to what you said. Next season really is a bit of a legacy season for him, postseason, because if he does it again, if he has another poor postseason, you know, you've got to start asking, you know, do you just shut him down then? Is it as simple as that? Because if he's going to get hunted and he's going to be a liability, unless he can improve that aspect of his game, yeah, perhaps it is. It's almost like a Duncan Robinson syndrome. You just sit him because you can't afford to have him on, on, on the court. We'll see. Who knows? It might not be Miami's problem next year. We will see. Um, good way to wrap up, guys. As always, it's been um, a very, very fun season. I've enjoyed 
every minute of doing all the shows with you guys and John and Glenn as well. So a big shout out to you guys. Um, if you're listening, um, please, uh, please uh, follow all of our guys here. Um, you, I'll, I'll tag them in. Please follow them all because they're really, really good at what they do. Please subscribe to Mum Hit UK TV as well on YouTube channel. We will be back next year doing the same thing. We're not sure in what concepts or how yet. We're going to get together in a little while. And, um, and discuss which way forward. But uh, we will 100% be back. Um, so thank you so much for your support throughout the season. Um, we'll continue with some content throughout. But first and foremost, we're going to have a bit of a recharge. So there'll be a bit of a break on all the content. We'll still be on Twitter. That doesn't take a lot. But we'll, uh, we'll, be, con- we'll, be, we'll be taking a little bit of a break um, over the next month or so with the podcasts and live shows, etc. But again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be back soon. Take it easy, guys. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.